while he was um, sharing, I just felt led to share this real quickly, a real practical example of what he just taught on. Um, two years ago, he was here and did a leadership teaching similar to what we heard tonight, similar. And like the main focus of the leadership training that he taught in the other room was leaders develop others. They don't just do, they develop others. And um, at, that, at that leadership teaching, oh, the Holy Spirit was working on me, just you know, because I'm a doer. I like to do, you know, here in, in this t new title I want to do. Well, the Holy Spirit just really convicted me that I needed to change my leadership philosophy, my whole, my whole, whole philosophy on leadership. And what I did was um, I tested this, this theory out in our youth group, our senior high youth group. And um, going into the fall, what I did was uh, I said, okay, I'm not going to do. I'm going to develop these four youth group leaders. Um, and so uh, Ethan's here tonight, and Colton, and Nikki, and Jaron. And um, we changed the whole model. We went from Casey teaching and organizing it all, and that's what I would naturally do. I love to teach, right? And then I was like, oh, Lord, I have to give up the baby that I love to do is teach, but I did. And um, I took these four people, and I just said, okay, you're going to be small group leaders. We're actually going to do a large group, small group model in youth group. And um, I'm going to step back, and, and um, you know, they each have a small group, senior high, junior high, male, female, et cetera, and they, they owned each part of it. And um, then I had a baby, you know, and stepped away for obviously practical reasons for a few months. But I came back, long story short, I came back to youth group after actually physically being gone for a couple months. And there was a ministry night, and, you know, we had had leader, leader meetings together, and... Um, it wasn't to my surprise what was going on, but I sat in the back and I just watched. First of all, I watched the youth group had grown while I was gone. At least, I don't know, friends were bringing friends, okay? So we saw a great, a great multiplication in the actual numbers here. But then what was happening was um, during worship time, these small group leaders, Ethan and Colton, were praying for people on the side. You know, the individuals were coming to them for prayer ministry. Um, and now if, if there's something going on, I can go to a small group leader like Nikki and say, you know, what's going on with so-and-so? And she knows because she's their leader. I'm not the junior high girls leader. Um, she's their leader. And um, I remember standing in the back and just, it, it was what Ben described when he sees his, you know, kids getting their diploma. You know, the first time um, Ethan taught with authority, <laughs> the first time that I saw, you know, Nikki um, praying on the side with junior high girls. Like, I was in the back just getting all teary-eyed because I was like, yeah, that, that is the type of, um, that's the type of example that comes to mind. And it was two years ago that God convicted me of what Ben was teaching tonight is develop people. Develop the people in your group. And when they go out to their workplaces and share the gospel when they're, you know, downtown having coffee and make an influence on the clerk, then you can, you can, yeah, I developed that, that person in my group, and, and I can stand in the back, and I literally don't do anything a lot of times at junior and senior high youth group anymore, but there's this multiplication effect, and 
I just had to share that because it was an example, and it's what happened, and he spoke to a couple of years ago, so I'd encourage you in that. So now, ministry as the Lord leads. Am I on? Is this going to get recorded? Okay, good. It's going to get recorded. You're going to double it up? You're going you're gonna to follow me around like some, some, some guy? <laughs> some creepy stalker? Stand right I'll stand right here. Here. Did you feel that? Tristan, you're mm. hot. No, no, you're hot. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we shared a hotel room last night. <laughs> Two beds watching basketball after seven straight hours of ministry. <sighs> yeah, what was the name of that meat place that we went to? Oh, yeah. No, no, what is it? Yeah, every time I come, I mean, yes, I love that church plant. I love it. But we just have, oh man, I spent way too much money and I'm bringing most of it home. Not all of it. Uh, okay. Well, hi. Uh, what's your name? I'm Bob. Bob and Wendy. Okay, I'm just getting it on the thing. This is a big deal for you. You stepping into small group leadership stuff, it's not just, oh, we want to serve. I think, I just feel this is a big deal for you. It's like, okay, here we go. It's almost like we're going to try this again. And uh, the very fact that you're going, let's do this one together, it's a big deal. It represents more than other people really are aware of. The personal transformation the two of you have gone through, um, you know, without any details, but your personal transformation, your walk with the Lord, your walk together, even your theology, you know, just some of the tweaks and adjustments God's given you of what's really possible. It's like, um, in some way, God's restored your spiritual youth. You know, um, I really feel God is saying, you're really not bringing any baggage into this new season. You're not. Um, any, any residual stuff will fall off real easy. You know, well, that's the way we used to do it. Actually, that's not really helpful for you guys. Um, there's a youthfulness like we really want to see what God can do with us. It's, it's, a real, it's a fresh start. But the good, it, good news is you're not rookies. You're not greenhorns. I believe in the natural, like maybe outside of a church setting. Both of you know how to lead. Both of you know how to get people to get stuff done. Both of you know how to win other people's hearts um, as well as get them to do what they need to do. And um, that hasn't changed. Uh, you're going to find yourself 
fairly short order. I don't know what kind of small group you're going to have. But God's going to populate this small group with sort of like next generation leaders. Just people who don't think of themselves as leaders, but you'll, you'll just in a real sneaky way develop them. And not anytime real soon, but at, at you guys are going to develop a more close working relationship. There'll be some things that you'll be able to pass on to them, you know, to coach a group of people. It'll, it'll be real good. You'll be like a coach to part of the coaching thing I was talking about. You like that. I think you really like that coaching thing. All right. Um, you can tell a lot about someone by how they handle their money. And there's some, brother, something about you when it comes to money. Uh, you're just one of those weird combinations of uh, generous, but you also know where every penny is. Every penny. But it's not like you hold on to it. You just know where everything is. It's something about you being a faithful steward. And um, you've been sort of sneaky in your generosity. You've given where people are going, where did this come from? Well, not the cat's out of the bag. No, but, but you, and you've done it because you cared, not because of any reward. But the sowing and reaping thing, I think you guys could give a really interesting testimony. You can go, yeah, when we did this, and tithing used to be a four-letter word, you know, and all this stuff, but we realized it wasn't our money. There's something about how you, how your heart connected with your finances that's brought real kingdom results. And that's going to be really helpful for some people. You know, they're good here, they're good here, they love God, they have pretty good family life, but just sort of their finances are just like like a house of cards. I believe you're going to be able to just really talk to them and not go, well, you just need a budget and you just condemn them. But you'll be able to say, man, I, I understand, I got you. Here's how you start. Um, I, you both like bringing grace to people who are sort of ashamed that they're not as good as they seem to be. You're going to be really good that way. Uh, I'm not saying heaven is doing backflips and all, but the fact that you decided, okay, this is our time. It's a, it's a real redemptive time, and it's, a, it's almost like a giddy time for you guys. Um, there you are. Good choice. Good choice. Um... Hello, young man. I'm bad with names. I keep on calling my wife George. Uh, who's George? Colt. Okay. I think you're a pretty deep well. Um, I don't think you're a Bible geek. I don't think you're ever going to be known as this like you know, real theologian. But it has nothing to do with how smart you are. It's just all those highfalutin stuff. You could care less. You really want to just help people. And you know Jesus. And you think that if you can connect people to Jesus, 
you're doing good. That's a real pastor's heart. I see God sort of challenging you. Um, you're a deep well. And there's more in you than you're willing to admit. Um, these are some of the things that just come to mind, brother. <sighs> these aren't commands, but I'm just telling you what I see. I see you just studying Proverbs. Proverbs, just, this is what you do. You know, you, you don't have to memorize everything. Just wash yourself in Proverbs on a fairly regular basis. Why? Because you're actually called to be a man who brings wisdom to situations. And it's just true. I mean, in the first chapter of Proverbs, it says, look, you get into Proverbs, you'll become wise. Uh, so there's a call for you to just really get really familiar with Proverbs. Uh, this is not an assignment that you can fail, but it's more of God equipping you. Um, don't qu you know, read, the, read the whole Bible. Read the whole Bible. But make sure you, you, you have the emphasis in like the Gospels and the Apostolic Epistles. Isn't that cool? They're not pastoral epistles. You know why? They're written by apostles. Anyway, um, make sure you have that perspective. Make sure you have that perspective. Because your, your ability to shepherd wisely will come a lot through the lens of what is called the New Testament. Um, I believe God's going to develop your communication gift. And it's going to take some reps. You're going to need practice. I'm mean, just telling you what I see. I just see you with like nobody around. Right, you got your little recorder, your little iPhone, or whatever it is that you would record. And just writing these little messages. These little messages and then try them out and listen to them. It's better that you listen to them before other people do. You go, ooh. Um, because you're not afraid of hard work. You're not afraid of practice. You are not afraid of practice. You know how, how much practice, what it produces for game time. And I think it's just time just to have fun with the idea of practicing speaking or teaching um, and have it recorded and you listen to it. And then after a while, maybe have someone else listen to it. And then when you're in front of a whole bunch of people, you know, you do youth? Yeah, okay. If I were you, you know, when you teach, do you teach? Okay, whenever you teach, have someone record it. Yeah. And just make them promise that it doesn't go on YouTube or Facebook. No, really, it's just there's something about you doing that. It'll help you get over the fear of feedback. Fear of feedback. I think, I think you, you have an a athlete's mind. Um, when you're really part of a good team and everybody just wants to win, you don't care if the guy next to you goes, hey, man, you should have blocked better. Yeah, you're right. You know, that kind of thing. But I believe when it comes to walking out your calling, there's sort of a fear of feedback. Um, and I think God's just giving you a little wisdom tool. Here's how you get over the fear of feedback. And you'll find out your ability to communicate is a lot more clear and more powerful 
than you think you're capable of. Married? Okay. I'm just choosing words, not falling asleep. think you're a guy who always likes to try to fix things. And when you can't fix things, it's probably all your fault. It's, I think that's how you think. I'm not dissing on your wife at all. I mean, this isn't, but there's some things that, you know, she's walking through, can't fix. But you can be like her air conditioner. I, bl I just see just being sort of like a calm in the middle of her storm. Just the calm in the middle of your storm. Um, I, I believe in a way you sort of resigned yourself to doing that. And you think, oh, I wish I could, well, this is all I can do. No. You're doing exactly what God's asking you to do. You're not failing. You need a band of brothers who will define you more in terms of who you are and what you're going through. Band of brothers. You know, man, how are you doing? Well, you know, marriage, like every marriage, you have the ups and downs and all that. Okay, great. But let's not define you in terms of what you're struggling with. Let's define you in terms of what God's doing in your life. You need a band of brothers. I, I think you need like a, an older brother. You know, I, I'm, this is so much fun. I don't know if you know Brian Nakamas, but if I were you, well, actually, I feel there's the Lord encouraging you. Um, get a hold of him. Get a hold of him. Sorry. But get a hold of him, and, um, yeah. So, like, there's a kind of big brother who will go, yeah, that's a problem. And, yeah, he won't panic. And he'll, be, he'll, be, he'll sort of be like a calm in the middle of your storm. can't double dip. They already got words. Oh, we're just being obedient. Yeah. And hey Bob, I got a word. No. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Yeah, yeah, well. Yeah. Are you beside yourself? <laughs> it's the other person I'm pointing at. No. Bad joke. Okay. Out of a, a real, genuine, loving heart, you are, you are hyper-responsible. Anything within your sphere of purview, you know, is a sense of responsibility. I need to take care of that. Uh, I'm not saying controlling or anything like that, but things are... But what I feel, there are some things 
that you are directly responsible for, some people, you know, just that you carry in your heart. But I feel God saying, okay, carry it in your heart, keep on praying, but you don't have to have your hand on it. I, I just feel like God saying, I got this. Um, I got this. I got him. God's asking you to sort of pull back on some things so that you can lay your hands on some new things. Because there's only two hands. Sister, um, you're doing a small group for ladies? You're going to need both hands. I just feel God saying, you're going to need both hands. Um, It's going to be exciting and overwhelming all at the same time. It will be fun and it will be frightening all at the same time. It will bring joy and then it will frustrate the fire out of you at all the same time. And God's saying now, you are made for it. You are made to step into that. You're, you're made to be a shepherd amongst ladies. You're made for it. Um, I think there was a time you had to do things all by yourself. I mean, really, all by yourself. And God's saying, this is not the time to step into this new thing all by yourself. Not the time. Um, you're going to be able to draw from some other ladies. I just see you being really wise in knowing who to delegate some responsibility to. Um, have you ever seen you know, new houses and you know, newly built and, and they haven't put the sod in, right? And they haven't even seeded it, but what they do is they put plugs, <laughs> plugs of grass there, little starter plugs, and then over time, the plugs start taking over the rest. Sister, you're a starter plug. You're a starter plug. That you're a fruitful woman. You got a testimony that you're not ashamed of. Uh, your heart's tender toward God and toward people. And you're not afraid to take risks to go forward. You're just not. And God's just going to put you for a season it's going to seem like hostile territory or even dry ground like but you're the kind of plug you stay there and you know have people come water you and all that sort of stuff and you're going to find your influence will grow I believe your small group will produce small groups and the sort of small group thing People will know about it. I'm, I'm, wow, I'm just really. This isn't going to happen next week, but there's going to be something written about, like in the newspaper, about these ladies who are part of such and such small group of victory, you know, victory. You know, th they did this thing that was absolutely incredible. You know, so no pressure. No pressure. Don't. No, but th there's something about who you are over time 
will have that that impact. It'll produce a whole bunch of other plugs, and it will bring some really interesting glory to God. People will write about it. No pressure. Yeah. But just make sure that you proactively make sure you're watered. Right? Don't do this one on your own. Okay. Okay. I prophesied over you guys. I really enjoyed prophesying over you. I mean, I did. No, no, it was you. It was you. Yeah, but so you're not getting anything. Alan, God bless you. God's not nagging you. He is not nagging you. He's just reminding you. You are a true pastor in the making. Not you will become a pastor. You are. But you're in the making. You are wired so differently than any other guy that's been called to be a pastor that I've ever met. You are wired so differently. You are easygoing. But deep inside, you are stubborn. No, 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 it's just, even when you're pliable, you're stubborn, right? And I believe you've got this deal with God. God, I hear you. So to see it. But you're going to have to move me. You're going to have to do this. And God's saying, I hear you. I will. Um, God's bringing you into a season where your heart's just going to go, just a little bit. And you're going to see a need. And you're going to go, and you're just going to jump into the need. You're good that way. God's telling you this now, but when you do it, you won't realize you're doing it until after you do it. Then you go, oh, he said he was going to do it, and he tricked me. You're just going to go, oh, you said you were going to do that. But I really feel God saying, there's something about you building your testimony of faithfulness, just in little things. Um, You're just building it, just building it. Doing doing dumb little things that you normally wouldn't do and all that. You know what God does with faithful people? He promotes them. He doesn't pat them on the head. So uh, God's put you in a position where it's almost like you've got to be faithful and stuff. Uh, God's setting you up for some promotions. And, you know, I'm not doing advertising for your job and things like that. But surprisingly, you're going to get some really interesting promotions where you go, mm, that means there is kind of responsibility that I don't know if I like, but the money will be better. God knows how to hook his sons. 
You know, you're not a greedy man, but, right? And, you know, money will be more important when all of a sudden your heart starts turning toward a sweetheart that runs across your screen. You go, hmm, I'll need some money for that one. <laughs> no, but, uh, you, know, she, you know, she won't be a gold digger or anything like that. But it, no, but, no, but see, your heart, cause brother, your heart will go, <clears throat> when a man, when a godly man, and you are a godly man, when a godly man sees a godly woman, his first thing is, how can I love her? How can I be with her? And he can't help. How can I provide for her? He's just want to raise. So God's just setting you up. And he's telling you now. He's just telling you now. He's going to set you up. And he's going to blind you. You won't know. And then all of a sudden, you oh, he said he would do this. And here I am. And that'll be real important for you because when you go, oh, he said he would do that, but here I am, you'll go, now I know I'm in the center of God's will. And when you know that, phew, there's no stopping you. When you go, now I know I'm in the center of God's will. Nothing can stop you. You'll be a force to be reckoned with. That was fun. Now, I've let you go. It's, it's been like three years since I prophesied over you. I've been real nice. Well, given my capacity to do things. Hi. I'll, do, I'll move over here. So. Well, that's right. You're the one, that run, you're the one who runs the church. this being a smart aleck. How did God weave you guys into the kind of team you are now? It's a miracle. No, really, it's a miracle. I, I, I don't know you guys as well as I like, but I believe there was a time when, boy, yeah, you loved each other and you were like friends, right? And, but, you know, spiritually, you had your way of looking at things. He had his way. And, you know, but you didn't beat each other up over it. I mean, I, th- I feel there was some tumultuous waters. But, the, but both of you had this thing of setting your heart toward God in your own ways, in your own ways. And look at what he's produced. How did God do this? Oh, God. We're one flesh. I didn't even know what that was before, but I always thought it'd be good to have that. But now here we are. This is really a wonderful new season for you guys. I mean, for you as a couple, but also (laughs) ministry. I think you guys have worked some things out. You know that, brother, you know there's some things that she's way smarter than you. And you now draw from that. And you you figured out some things that he's smarter than you. I mean, even in ministry things. Um, and there's this, you guys are drawing on each other's strengths instead of going, you know, we have these weaknesses that aren't fitting. This is huge. It's going to produce incredible um, results in the people that you're going to be ministering to. Um, I don't know if you guys tell much about certain parts of your story, but I see in the future 
someone will talk about a problem and you'll both go, oh, we understand that and you'll be able to tell the stories. Now, here's the thing. You, know, you guys got to make sure your stories match. <laughs> now, th- th- this is, it's almost like a joke with you guys. It's like the same event and two different accounts and you even wonder, were we at the same event, right? Um, but I, I believe even there, you're starting to see how your two different perspectives weave together for a total package. It's really, really good. It was humbling to realize that your idea of the truth was incomplete until you got the other person's side on it. It's just been a good thing. So even how you guys tell your stories, you know, share parts of your testimony to help other people, even how you do that will be just powerful as well as miraculous because you don't have to tell people how long it took for you guys to get on that same page but it's just such a good thing I don't know if I prophesied this over your sister don't know but you're, you're, I know what you do you're a great planner make sure everything works but for the church to grow it's like you gotta go up a level and train in a bunch of other people to do a lot of the stuff that you do Uh, you're not being (laughs) retired or anything like that but there's a even more of a managerial position here where you can train other people to do things. There's going to be some really interesting new administrative needs that not only you can't do them, but even if you could, you shouldn't. Um, the other thing is this. I believe there's about three people. How you do, how you do what you do around here, you don't do it simply because you're good at it. There's a sense of calling on it. I mean, there's just a sense of God called me to do this. It's that thing that God wants you to impart to those you're going to train up and disciple. It's that thing that will be sort of like the filter through which you're going to shoulder tap. You're not just going to get people who are good at it. You're going to get people who go, I love doing this stuff, and I love this church. Because God really wants to free up the two of you to do something. Now, you guys are so not old, you don't even talk about bucket list. All right? But you're not young either. No. I believe there's just going to be some, I just see um, next few years, a couple of, this is a weird word or phrase, strategic vacations. Where there's going to be, it'll be a fun time, you guys doing something that's just fun, but it'll have a real spiritual significance. You know what it feels like? It feels like a missions trip that you do together, and it'll be a lot of fun, but it'll have significant impact. Um, I feel God is going to, you're not going to live on the mission field or anything like that, but more and more, the two of you are going to go, we have a heart for this place. And you just rearrange your schedule, you know, that 
you know, we'll have vacation here, we'll do this. But that week or that 10 days is for us to go have impact there. It'll be sort of like a mission home away from home. Um, you'll like that. You can organize it and then you can just tell everybody what to do. <laughs> no. no. Really, brother, you're... I don't think people... I think people would be surprised at how clear and gentle a leader you are. You really think things through. You really think things through. And you care about people's feelings. You really care. One of the reasons is real simple. You know what it's like to be on the wrong end of wrong leadership. Harsh leadership. People who are right, but they're wrong. And you know what it's like to be on the wrong end of that. And you haven't gotten bitter. You had, to, you had to cry a little bit over that one. I mean, some of it's pretty bad. But what it produced in you is like, hmm, I'm going to think before I speak. I'm going to pray before I do. And I'm going to try to look at people as people. And because of that, you have a clear, wise, and gentle leadership ability. And because of that, when you do say something, people stop and listen. It's like you know how to win people's hearts before you speak. And you're going to be able to bring that in a greater way here, greater way in the community, and a greater way on the mission field. Amen. But, brother, in a way you love to be underestimated. You like you would love it for everybody to say, oh, there's Clark Kent. <laughs> and this isn't an ego thing. You love it when people say, oh, there's a Clark Kent. But I'm not calling you Superman. Keep your shirt on, you know. <laughs> but there's something about you go, if you give me half a chance, I'll bring what I have to the table and it'll blow you all away. I mean, you got that kind of, um, God's going to give you opportunities to bring a lot of stuff to the table that you just sort of kept to yourself. Um, it'll be hard to underestimate you. <sighs> that was fun. Lots of fun. Hi. Tortilla flat. Is that like a dyslexic? Isn't it supposed to be flat for tea? Anyway. <laughs> you know, there's a, a... God's got so many ways to bring people into the kingdom. I mean, so many ways. You know, there's not just one way, you know, you raise your hand in church and then have an altar call and then you're saved. There's just so many ways, so many ways. I think your, your home is going to be a very interesting mission field. That the people you gather, some will be mature, some will be sort of on their way, 
and some will be religious people, people who think they're in, but they're really not. And then there are people who are just, they know they're lost. And the two of you will create an environment where people, they feel like they belong. In the Bible, they call that the gift of hospitality, where you create an atmosphere where people know that they're important, that they matter, and that they're safe. And I believe the two of you are uniquely wired to learn how to provide that kind of environment in your home. Now, this doesn't mean that you open up your home all the time to everybody. You've got to watch that. Because he said, look, for him, he actually looks at his, at his home as his man cave. Okay? And so God will work this out. Um, there's something about you guys really just coming to real agreement on how you're going to exercise authority over your schedules instead of having your schedules exercise authority over you. Very important, the two of you. But your home is going to be a place where people experience fellowship. Um, I'm just telling you what I hear. I hear a lot of laughing with some snorting. You know the kind of people that, you know you're comfortable when you laugh and you snort, right? (laughs) And if you weren't comfortable before, you just forced into it, right? Um, Both of you have really, really bizarre senses of humor. (laughs) Bizarre. Like, the two of you have these little private jokes. Like, you watch people, and you don't say anything. And then when you go home, you say, remember when he did that? Yeah, that was pretty funny. Right? He almost killed that dog. Yeah, did you see the look on the dog's face? That kind of thing. (laughs) And I'm not saying all of your jokes are things that need to be shared with the body of Christ. (laughs) But there is something about uh, humor that will be the hallmark of y'all getting together. Um, I believe some of the people that are going to be entrusted to you, you know, come and all, they're going to have some pretty bad, nasty stories. Or they're carrying just like these wounds. You know, like in Peanuts, that character that you know, carries the cloud. I mean, and some of them, they are wounded. Some of them are bitter and you know, all that sort of stuff. But some of them are just, they just take their lives way too seriously. Really. Just like, oh yeah, so your boyfriend ditched you. Great. I'm so sorry. Yeah. What, show me a picture. Oh, thank God he left you. You know, I mean, things like that. Some people need to learn how to laugh in the middle of their circumstances, to find joy in the middle of their trials. And you guys are going to be good at it. I mean, it took you guys an interesting journey to be able to laugh together in the middle of your trials. I mean, but you guys are re- you guys almost poke fun at each other. Oh, you can't you can't do male bonding with your wife. You can't do that. Get better jokes. <laughs> Get better jokes. But yeah, but there's something about joy, brother, especially for you. I don't know who told you that you don't have what it takes. 
but it wasn't God. Every man needs a father who says, you have what it takes. And God says, you got what it takes. God says, I care about what people said, what they didn't say, what they did, and what they, I care about that. But I feel God said, I will no longer allow what happened to you to define who you are and how far you can go. I really feel God saying, you got what it takes. You got what it takes. And the kind of leader you are, the kind of husband and you know, father, all that sort of stuff, I just see a next season of blossoming where, yeah, a kind of confidence that you don't have to be nervous about. The kind of confidence that you know, since God gave it to you, no man can take it away. It won't be cockiness. Because you start getting cocky, she'll bring you down a couple pegs. She will. she go, oh, really? You're not all that. Um, and sister? In the midst of some really interesting trials where life has really squeezed you, what's come out is your heart is to be sweet toward people. I don't even use that word sweet, but there's a sweetness to you. But also with the, the squeezing, there's come an inner strength to you. Like in the past, you could get swayed this way, that way. Your emotional barometer, who knows, right? You still have emotions, but you sort of know who you are. And your emotions do not have authority over you. You know that, ah, I'm going to get on top of that. Or, I know where that came, came from. And it, it's sort of freeing. You go, yeah. It's also, it's like God has given you permission to experience emotions. Right? Um, but he's not giving you permission to act on all of them. Right? And, and that's, that's, that's real parenting. You've allowed God to really, really father you. Isn't that sort of fun? As the scripture says, give thanks to God in all circumstances for that's the will of Christ Jesus for you. And I believe you guys have gone through some stuff and you, got, you can give thanks to God in all, in all things. God, it's hard, but we love you. Thank you for how, how far you brought us. And you know how to develop that. You guys are right now in the place where you can look back and start going to thankfulness 401. We can give thanks to God for all things. That's a hard one. It's a hard one for both of you. But I think you're a place where you can go, <clears throat> God didn't cause that. He allowed that. But if that, if I didn't do that thing, if this hadn't happened, I wouldn't be who I am now. When you get to heaven, you'll have a lot of questions. You will. But you go, all right, God, you're good. You were in control of my life even before I knew you were in control of my life. Do all things well. Thank you for all things.
um, you're going to be able to give a message of thankfulness to those that are going to be entrusted to you, and they'll look at you and go, are you crazy? And you go, no. You want to hear our story? And they'll get it. This is one way of, of God saying, if you'll let him, he'll redeem everything. Everything. Everything that's been done to you, every misstep, every foolish choice you've made, he can redeem that. Things that sh you should have had but you didn't get, things that you shouldn't have had but you did get, God right now is in the process of just showing you that you let him, he'll redeem everything. Hi. Yeah, just to show you how important the two of you guys are, some of the things I just prophesied really impacted a number of people here. They're going, that, that word could have easily been for me. Whoever that was, it was for you. Just let, that's how important you are. Hi. All right, God wants to remind you of something. That in the grand scheme of things, think, uh, scheme of things, everything concerning your life is spiritual. Everything. Just know, well, this is unspiritual. Everything. Meaning, everything matters to God. Real religious people go, well, this, you know, that's just how I live, or this is how I do things, or this is just, you know. Uh, but then here's the spiritual stuff. Um, God's saying everything about you is spiritual. Everything, everything pertaining to you is important. I feel God saying there's some things I'm going to be leading you guys to do as a couple. Just, it's like little projects. Little projects that you're way behind on. You know, the things that you know you could pound out, but you just don't have the time, that kind of thing. I just see... I'm just going to pound out these little projects. I, d I see a list of projects, and then over time, you just celebrate. Okay, we got this one. It doesn't look like anything real super spiritual, but you starting and then completing these little projects, these little things, it's going to create a momentum for the both of you. Like, yeah, we can do this. There's some things that both of you, like individually, personally, you go, man, I'd like to get on top of this, but I just don't have the time. And da, da, da. You watch. You just knock out these little, I don't want to say honey-do lists because then it looks like it's all on you. You know, you know your, the honey-do list has a honey helper. <laughs> but this, sound, this sounds so unspiritual, but I just see the two of you just go, all right, what little practical things do we want to do in the house? Just to do in the house or in the yard or something like that. You know, to fix the shade, stuff like that. And just get it down and just... Or, you know that closet where we're not quite sure what's actually in there? You got one, okay? No, more than one. Oh, my gosh, you're not hoarders. But... No, you're not. I don't want anybody to have... 
But there's something about, you know, it's sort of like you got your, your little place where you just put your stuff, and you got your little place. And, you know, whose is worse? It's the wrong question. <laughs> but I believe it's like you guys can help each other with those sort of little closet space. What do I need? What do I don't need? Da, da, da. Those little things that you do together are going to produce incredible breakthroughs. That's, that's, that's such an odd prophetic word. But I know how God works oftentimes. How he gets people to develop a sense of momentum as a team. And so some of these little things that you knock out together, all right, um, don't make it a religious thing, but just have the list. And go, okay, got that. High five. Then go have a root beer. You know, hold hands and go, we did it. Um, it'll produce momentum. Now for you, sister. this applies to you. But God says, you're worth listening to. You're worth listening to. Sometimes when you get going, right, it's, it's just how you process. Right? And you wish you could pull it in. Right? And sometimes people go, would you just stop? Right? But you're still processing a lot of things. But I just see God just going, okay now. Okay. And you're going to be able to communicate what you see, what you think, what you feel in a way where people go, oh, I feel God saying, you're worth listening to. Uh, this is not just going to have impact with how you relate to other people. Uh, but it's going to have impact with how you relate to God. Right. <coughs> when it relates to people, I feel that you're going, if I say something, they're not going to hear it. Or the only way I'll be heard is if I make a big deal of it. Right. Uh, but I just think God's going to settle that down and you're just going to wait. I'm worth being heard. I'm, I'm going to share with wisdom at the right time what's on my heart. And then I'm done. But the real trick is, the real challenge right now, is your prayer life. This is not a religious, are you praying enough? But when God says to someone, you're worth listening to, he's also talking about, he's really interested in what you have to say to him. And you couldn't do the, well, he knows everything, what's the point? Or you go, God, I asked you a whole bunch of things, and you didn't deliver the way I thought you would, so what's the point? But God says the point is I want you to talk to me. Just talk to me. I, you're worth listening to. There's nothing like the eyes of a daughter that knows that her dad is listening to her. I believe this is the beginning of sort of like a renewal of your sense of I'm a daughter. I'm a daughter. 
I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to pray for one thing for you. Okay. It's one thing. Ah, I think it's going to be two or one A and B. It's the area of financial wisdom, which is not to say that you're an idiot when it comes to finance. That's not what's going on. But there's a spiritual thing where God gives you wisdom in the area of finances where you go, this is what I need to do. Thank you, God. Real clarity. I want to pray that for you. Lord, I pray for my brother. Wisdom comes from you, and I'm asking on behalf, God, that you would give him just a supernatural wisdom in the area of finances. And God, just to confirm this, I pray that it just be these, just a real pleasant breakthrough of finances that would come to him in a way where he'd go, hmm, that only would have happened because of God. That there'd just be this, just this refreshing blessing that lets you know that you are in the business of, of uh, upgrading their finances. Amen. guess we're going to get everybody, aren't we? You're one of those pastors. Yeah, just minister as the Lord leads. Of course, I... Yeah. All right. Hi. God's just going to surprise the fire out of you guys. That... Um, how you pray together, how you pray for people. It's just going to be refreshing. It's almost going to be like giddy fun. Um, I feel God saying, don't let what I'm leading you into be seen as some sort of vindication. We're like, now we get to do the things we've always wanted to do, that kind of thing. I don't think you're like that. But I really believe there's a, a refreshing um, way of ministering to people that it's almost beyond your experience. I think you guys, you know, doing church, you know, it's not your first rodeo or your second or even your 50th. I mean, you've just been around. But I believe both of you are innovators. And I believe both of you can get bored really easy. Right? You can get used to being bored, right? But you can get bored really e- easy. And when you're bored, you're irritable. When you're irritable, well, that's not any good. But it's just like God saying, I'm giving you an opportunity to just get out of some ruts. And um, I just see how you guys pray for you. I'm just telling you, that whatever small group you're involved in, I see you're going to be able to pray together more creatively. Like, a lot of people, they say, oh, God, give us a good, you know, a good small group today. Amen. May everybody show up and, oh, God, you know, that kind of thing. I think you guys are going to be different kind of shepherds. That the, 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 the people that come to your group, they're going to be prayer targets throughout the week. Oh, God, help Bill. God, you know. And, like, you'll be investing in them, and they won't even know it. That, that when, when you do gather together, 
in, in a way, spiritually, it'd be like you, you've been with him all week, which is a creepy thought. But the idea that, but real shepherds, real shepherds, they just don't care for their sheep when it's time to move them. I mean, they just, they're amongst them. And I believe both of you have, I'm, I'm just being clear. I think both of you can get real super spiritual when it comes to prayer. I believe both of you can give real good spiritual speeches. Right? But your, you know where your wheelhouse is? When you get God's heart and you pray for people. There's something. It's tender. And it's customized. And it's simple. And it's powerful. And I just see you just your shepherding grace will be increased as you invest in prayer to the people that are being entrusted. If you only have two, you go, thank you for these two. And you intercede and all that. Um, you'll, you'll see some results how you shepherd people on your knees before you shepherd them in their presence. And some of the testimonies you're going to have, um, I mean, you know how some people, well, I should... Wow, you got healed? Well, you know, I was praying for that, meaning I should get credit for that. Don't do that. <laughs> but there's going to be something about you'll be able to share with other leaders. You know, I have found that just praying for the people that are part of the group has made me a better leader, and there's more grace when we meet. That's, I think that's more of an assignment. God's saying, look, that's the key for your upgrade. wake him up. No, I'm only kidding. No, no. Ooh, I like the way she woke him up. Time to wake up. The things you learn in fellowship, you know what I mean? Help me, Jesus. There's a really interesting thought that comes to my mind. You know how, you know, small groups, they be, can become territorial. That's not bad because it's their group. You know, this is what they do and all that. But sometimes when some, like, different small groups join forces to do some things together, you know, not forever, but just for a project or something like that, it just does something, you know, cross-pollinization and that kind of thing. <laughs> I think the two of you just ha are going to have this wonderful ability to connect with other small group leaders. And it'll be like, hey, maybe we could do something together for our community, that kind of thing. And it, it'll be a good thing for your group. It'll good be a good thing for the other group. But it'll just it'll be an example of how sometimes it's good to have groups come together to do some things. Um, so just keep that one in mind. The second thing that comes to mind is I think you're really nice people, and you're laid back, and you're mellow. Not. You're actually very courageous and bold people. 
And you're not afraid to get in the middle of other people's stuff. Just not afraid of it. You know, some people that, you know, you see people that their life is a mess, and you go, well, look, you know, I don't want to embarrass them. Or I don't want the inconvenience of stepping into someone's mess. Or I don't want, well, I don't want to intrude. Sometimes the leading of the Lord would say, you've got to intrude. I had a really interesting picture. I, I just see a house on fire. And I, it's a metaphor. Okay? And I see you just going, okay, let's go in there. Going into a burning house and pulling people out. I believe there's some family situations. Where you go, hmm. Maybe not your personal family, but, you know, some marriages, things like that. Their house is starting to smell like smoke. And you can wait until things blow up or you can just go, hey, this is what we see. I believe the two of you have a kindness resident in you, but also a boldness where you say, you need help. Here's, here's our hand. Um, God's going to use you to rescue some people from just real foolish circumstances. Uh, now I know you guys are very holy people, so you've never watched the TV show Jerry Springer. Well, obviously he has. Right. No. And you didn't watch Talladega Nights either. Right. Um, I had a really interesting picture. There's a couple, little, you know, family, you know, little kids running around, and they're watching Jerry Springer. Right? Not really edifying. And I just see the two of you just sort of smile and turn off the TV. Just turn it off. They get a little mad, but you go. <sighs> I believe what this represents is this. Some people only act on the basis of what they've seen. And I believe God's going to bring you into some people's lives where they're just living life on the basis of what they've seen, some really unhealthy models. And you're just going to get in there and just for a season just sort of turn turn that old model off. Give them, give them a time where they can collect themselves and go, we don't want to live this way anymore. The second part of the vision is this. They're on the couch. And you know how people are. Oh, thank you. We don't have to live that way. And then they go back to the same programming. And you come in and instead of turning the TV off, you show them how to operate the remote control, how to change channels. Huh? <laughs> Remember, this is a metaphor. <laughs> no, seriously, I, I believe you guys are going to be able to equip people first to take stock and go, yeah, I want to change. And then empower them to say, look, what you learned before isn't your only station. And you'll be able to show them that there are other channels, there are other ways of doing life, doing marriage, doing family, and you'll be able to show them you can choose what channel you're going to draw from. You can choose. And for many people, that's the most liberating thing. They think they're stuck. That's a really long way of saying you have a way of helping people 
step out of old ways into new ways, not simply because you can teach them and love them, but I believe you guys have a way to help them, to empower them to learn how to make right choices. Um, you're going to be really good at that. You know how it is. Right? Have that had kids? All right, you can tell them what to do, and it's good when they're young. But after a while, you want to teach them how to make choices. That, and I believe you guys are going to be really good at helping people learn how to make right choices, not just telling them what the right choice is. There you are. Did I do it? Am I done? Okay. You guys are awesome. I told the elders this. I'll tell you guys this. This church is known all around the world. I tell people about this church. I mean, you're all broken. Jesus died for you. And, but I talk about the elders. I talk about just the culture here. What you guys are growing into, how you guys grow and reinvent yourself and all. First, it's a miracle. I mean, you're in the middle of... You're in Ballotin. Ballotin, all right? And, gosh, a few years ago, you know, God started speaking about, well, things that I didn't even know, but it had to do with Ralco. I mean, I mean do you realize what's going on in Ballotin? And this church has a lot to do with what's happening in Ballotin. Y'all are growing shrimp in Ballotin for the glory of God. Anyway, so uh, what's going on in this church is extraordinarily special. Uh, so don't shortchange it. Up your game. Up your game.